And for the last time in calendar year 2023, you're not getting rid of me in this podcast that easy. This is the Todd Wright Podcast. I am Todd Wright. Pin Chasers, sponsoring us through the entire football season. I will be talking about them through the Super Bowl uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Myself, my friend Berenice, and her very enthusiastic, energetic, six-year-old son all went bowling at Pin Chasers. It couldn't have been busier, and the staff was ready. That was very impressive. I've talked about this before, about Pin Chasers. When you go to a place of business, and there are a lot of people there, and clearly the business cannot handle the amount of people that came out that day. Totally the opposite at Pin Chasers. We were at the Veterans location on Hillsborough Avenue, just north of Tampa International Airport. Every single lane was full. I asked for a particular lane reservation, and Anthony Peroni even told me in advance, said, can you come a little later? I can get your reservation later. That's how busy they were. I showed up. I waited in line. Our lane was ready. We got our shoes. They're always free. At Pin Chasers, not just Todd getting free shoes. Your shoes are always included with bowling at Pin Chasers. And man, that place was rocking. But the staff was ready. Everything was in working order. There was nothing odd like, yeah, they ran out of bowling balls or they didn't have enough of this going around or lanes were breaking down. None of that. It was fun. And again, I've been going to Pin Chasers for quite a while. I've never seen it this busy. Sure, it was December. It was a weekend. It was the afternoon. It was bad weather. Pin Chasers was ready. For lane and party reservations, visit pinchasers.net. Start having fun. Three locations in the greater Tampa Bay area. Nice job, Anthony Peroni. And thank you for continuing to sponsor the Todd Wright Toddcast throughout the entire football season. Brandon Legal Group is your full-service law firm. They service the greater Tampa Bay area. Full-service can mean many things. It can mean family law, pardon my phone. It can mean divorce. It can mean child support adjustment. And speaking of family law, Brandon Legal Group would like to remind you adult males that have been paying, uh, paying permanent alimony that as of July 1st, 2023, permanent alimony is no longer the law. In the state of Florida, if you are paying permanent alimony, reach out to Brandon Legal Group to stop paying permanent alimony. It is no longer the law in the state of Florida. Let's alleviate your financial obligation going forward as it relates to permanent alimony. 813-902-3576 or visit brandonlegalgroup.com. My email, right.todd at yahoo.com, right.todd at yahoo.com. How about a mea culpa, Todd Wright Toddcast? we got two weeks left in the National Football League season, so we don't know everything. We don't know all our playoff teams. We don't know all our playoff seeds. We, we're not sure you know, who the favorites are to go to the Super Bowl. You may have a thought on all of these, but we're not there yet with two weeks left in the regular season. But... I often talk about accountability and honesty, and I have some very strong opinions, and I'm not always right. I'm not. No matter how much I think at the time I'm right, and I put a lot of thought 
into what I do here and what I say. It's not right 100% of the time. So I just jotted down for a year-ending edition to show you what you already know. I'm human. Todd Wright can and often is wrong. And I admit when I am wrong. So here are 10 random things about the 2023 National Football League season that whether you heard it here in the Todd Wright Toddcast or on the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast or on the Todd Wright Survivor Football Podcast or in my appearances on Spectrum Bay News 9 in Tampa Bay or Spectrum Central Florida News 13 in Central Florida or uh, you just heard me somewhere say something and it turned out to be wrong, here are 10 of them that, yeah, I didn't have that right for this season. In no particular order, based on news from earlier today, we are recording this on the afternoon of Wednesday, December 27th. Remember about a month or so ago, I cut for you a Todd Wright podcast about the Denver Broncos, and I said, this is probably a podcast I'm going to regret doing today. It leads off my mea culpa podcast because I regret doing that podcast. Uh, The Denver Broncos are no factor going forward in the 2023 season and in the 2023 playoffs. We learned earlier today, Wednesday, December 27th, after an embarrassing loss at home to the New England Patriots on what Christmas Eve uh, at home, that Russell Wilson is going in bubble wrap because the Broncos don't want anything bad to happen to him on the field that would prevent him from passing his physical around March 17th, uh, which means they don't want to see his $37, $38 million salary for 2025 guaranteed around that time. So this is likely the end of Russell Wilson in Denver. One of the worst trades in National Football League history with everything the Broncos gave up to get a quarterback who never got them to the playoffs with multiple head coaches. Wilson may have to go the Baker Mayfield route next year. Uh, Don't sweat over Wilson financially because the Broncos still have about $85 million in dead money that they need to account for going forward as it relates to Russell Wilson, even by putting him in bubble wrap to assure that his base salary in 2025 is not guaranteed after his physical on March 17th. So the Broncos have 80 to 90 million in dead money that they're going to have to figure out how to pay next year or over the next couple of years. Good luck finding someone to take Russell Wilson off your hands. Um, Yeah, Russell may have to go the Baker Mayfield route if he wants to continue playing. By the way, when a team pays dead money on a player, that means the player already got that money. So even though Russell Wilson's salary will not be guaranteed in 2025, he still essentially got $85 million in bonus money for time he's not going to play for the Denver Broncos. They are no factor. Sean Payton has a lot of work to do uh, on that offense in the offseason, and they are completely starting over 
on the offensive side of the ball. Another one. I got 10 of them. So here's number two. They're in no particular order. Frank Reich was awful. You know, people question Mr. Ursay in Indy, and he pulled Reich out of being the head coach, what, midseason last year. And Frank Reich immediately bounced back. He got the head coaching job with the Carolina Panthers, where he was their first ever starting quarterback. He put together what looked like a good staff. They drafted Bryce Young, number one, whether that was David uh, Tepper and his wife's call or that was Frank Reich and the front and the front office's call. Uh, Frank Reich was awful. The Carolina Panthers were awful. I thought that would work. I thought they'd build off a little bit of what they did at the end of last year. And Frank Reich and Bryce Young and a collection of free agents on offense like Miles Sanders and Adam Thielen would add something to none of it. None of it. And yeah, Bryce Young had probably his best game recently against the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay still won. Bryce Young has a long way to go. He looked very lost this year. That's not all on Frank Reich. There were too many games where Bryce Young never even attempted to throw the ball down the center of the field, down 10 yards. You can't play quarterback in the National Football League and never attempt to throw the ball down the middle of the field beyond 10 yards. That's a major issue. I felt Frank Reich and the Carolina Panthers would be a contender in a bad NFC South, and boy, was I wrong. Speaking of quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud. I didn't have this one. He's the best Ohio State quarterback in the NFL ever, and he hasn't even played one full season, and he's just coming out of concussion protocol. But man, C.J. Stroud stepped in and took command of a pass-first offense, moved the ball consistently, made names, not household names, out of guys like Nico Collins and Tank Dell and Noah Brown at times who came over from the Cowboys. And then the offense bounced a little bit once Devin Singletary got in there for Damian Pierce. And this is a team with a head coach who's got a defensive background. C.J. Stroud, not Justin Fields, finally giving Ohio State a quarterback who can play in the NFL. Impressive what Stroud has done through his first season, and I hope he builds on it because this league needs guys who can play quarterback. Looks like the Texans got one of them, and there are a lot of teams out there that don't have somebody as good. I wondered why Sean McVay actually came back to the Rams because it, it felt like he was at the, out the door. The Rams went from being Super Bowl champs to one of the worst follow-ups to a Super Bowl winning season ever. The whole F the picks didn't appear to work. Cooper Cup was injured. They traded away Jalen Ramsey. Didn't know what Matt Stafford had left. The Cam Akers thing was still lingering, and it was like, 
why is Sean McVay sticking around? Just go do TV. Wait for another coaching job to open up. Is there a statute of limitations? You step away and then you take over in L.A. for the other team and you got Justin Herbert. And for whatever reason, and even some said to me, it was ego that Sean McVay heard people saying, well, yeah, now that things aren't good with the Rams, you're just going to quit. And he didn't like being called a quitter. Well, that's no reason to just stay. The Rams go into the I mean, we're two weeks away, but the Rams appear headed into the playoffs as one of those teams you don't want to play. Now, they could go, they could miss the playoffs, or they could go one and out in the playoffs. People are starting to get excited about a Matt Stafford-led Rams going into Detroit against a Jared Goff-led Lions. I don't think anybody in Detroit would be excited about that, but just the background on this creates some intrigue. McVeigh, I always knew McVeigh could coach. I didn't think he needed to come back to the Rams, and I still don't think he needed to. But I was wrong that it was a bad move for him. And it's fun having a guy like that in the NFL with skin in the game because we know what him and his offense are capable of. The Chiefs are not going to host the sixth straight AFC title game, one of the best streaks ever in the NFL. Chiefs have hosted five straight AFC title games, and on Christmas Day, in a game watched by a lot of people, they looked awful. I remember how bad they looked against the Bucs in Super Bowl 55, but how Mahomes kind of kept fighting. They looked worse against the Las Vegas Raiders on Christmas Day. I mean, back-to-back offensive plays that result in defensive touchdowns, they had been whining and not handling losing very well, and then this happens. I don't know what's going on there, but when you have a Hall of Fame head coach, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and a Hall of Fame tight end, and your offense looks like that, something's wrong. And I don't know if the Chiefs can fix it this year, or they just do what they did after they lost the Bucks. And they corrected some offensive line issues, bounced right back, and two years later they won a Super Bowl. But they got work to do. The Chiefs not anywhere near hosting a sixth straight AFC title game. And it's not like the Bengals or the Bills are the ones to take them out. A sixth mea culpa. Clearly Baltimore had no plan B beyond Lamar Jackson. My mistake when Lamar Jackson was not under contract in the offseason, and look, Lamar even said at one point, I will never wear a Ravens uniform again. So there were a lot of people wrong on all this. But it was clear that the Ravens were just basically saying, you're our guy. You're not going to get a fully guaranteed contract, no matter what Jackson and his agent said. And the 
sort of language of all this because that's what they were trying to get in some form, either close to or exactly what Deshaun Watson got with the Cleveland Browns. And then the Ravens said, look, if you can find someone to give you what you want, go out there and negotiate it, and then we'll see if we can do a trade. And you know, some explanations given were that the market just doesn't allow that because if you go down that road, you're not going to give up two number one picks, even if you think it's worth it, because the team's just going to match the offer, and then you reverse course. Because clearly you've said all along, you know, here's our guy. We're not going that route. Then you sign him to the offer sheet. And then the offer sheet is matched. And then you got to go back 180 degrees. So the Ravens handled their business extremely well as it related to Lamar Jackson. I don't buy that he's the MVP of the league. I know he does some things no other player at the position can do. But I'm not convinced even off that win over San Francisco on Christmas night that he was the best Ravens player on the field. That the Ravens wouldn't have won that game even if Jackson wasn't quarterbacking. I can't point to multiple moments and say, yeah, That's Lamar Jackson leading the Ravens to the win. So I still have my doubts about Lamar Jackson winning playoff games, who's only won one in his career, and it was against Ryan Tannehill. That's it. But as far as everything I said leading up to the season about how the Ravens had made an organizational decision to move on from Lamar Jackson, clearly they didn't. They just knew he's ours. We're not going to give him a fully guaranteed contract or essentially a fully guaranteed contract with the injury guarantees, and there's nothing he can do about it. And we're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, and we're going to try some different things, and we're going to draft Zay Flowers, and we're going to keep going. And they're going. The Cowboys would have been better off keeping Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. Financially, it would have been very difficult. But you just look at this past Sunday as an example. I know Cooper's now two years out the door. Zeke was one year out the door. And the Cowboys are coming up on a decision. Let's just put it this way. They're likely not going to be able to keep happy Micah on his next deal, Lamb on his next deal, Dak on a next deal. So there's some huge decisions to be made which is interesting considering the Cowboys are no closer to a Super Bowl than they've been in a while. They're just not. They're good. They can look great. And this is coming from me. I have no expectations of anything different than a first or division round playoff exit for those Dallas Cowboys again this year. Had they kept Amari Cooper, they would have been better at the wide receiver position. I know there were salary considerations there, but look at what Amari just did, and look at what the Browns are doing, and Amari's doing it with Joe Flacco. And as far as Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott's had one good game with the Patriots this year. Look, 
Zeke's not the problem in New England. He's not. And the fact that Bill Belichick brought him in tells you a lot about, you may not like Ezekiel Elliott, the person, but you can really like the football player. Tony Pollard can't fight for the extra yard running the football. Tony Pollard is basically a Rashad White. He's a slot receiver that they line up at tailback. And he's not an RB1. And when he couldn't get in the end zone early in that game against the Dolphins, that was really, really bad. And it just shows you he's not a physical player. He can't run between the tackles. The Cowboys got serious issues inside the five-yard line trying to just line up with that offensive line, hand the ball to Tony Pollard, and boom, get in the end zone. And Ezekiel Elliott never had that problem. Again, I know there were contractual issues with letting Cooper go to Cleveland, trade, not for much, and letting Ezekiel Elliott go and not, and then he signs as a free agent with New England. But the Cowboys would have been better each of the last two years with both of those guys still wearing a star on their helmet. In areas where the Cowboys offensively are weak, those two guys would have made them better. I said all along this year on the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast that Raheem Mostert was going to get hurt, that you couldn't count on him. It's just his background. Um, Don't get carried away with one or two big games. Well, here we are with two games left in the regular season, and Raheem Mostert has carried the ball 209 times for 1,012 yards at an average of 4.8 yards per carry and scored 18 touchdowns rushing. And that doesn't even include what he does catching the ball because he caught a touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys. I was wrong on Raheem Mostert and his injury history. Raheem Mostert, and he's played through some injuries this year. He's been a huge factor for the Miami Dolphins. And him staying healthy goes against everything I said this season and coming into this year about Raheem Mostert. Two more. As it relates to the Bucks, who have exceeded their Vegas uh, over-under win total, which I had wrong, the NFC South was even worse than I thought. We all knew the division was bad. I've already talked about, I thought Carolina could take advantage of that. And I've already done my mea culpa there. Atlanta is so poorly coached, worse than I even thought. And I knew New Orleans wasn't going to win this division. And the Saints throwing $100 million guaranteed money at Carr wasn't going to solve their quarterback problems. And they have a coach who's not going to get them there either. But Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta were even worse than people thought. And Tampa Bay did and has taken advantage of how bad the division is, and they've actually managed their business much better than the dysfunction in Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. And the Bucs will be a very deserving champion of a bad division, even without Tom Brady and even with Todd Bowles. 
And the last one, whew, I had the New York Giants wrong this year. Look, it was the first year of Brian Dable last year. Best we've ever seen from Daniel Jones. Uh, they were able to get Saquon Barkley back on a one-year deal by spending, what, an additional $900,000 to make him happy because he wasn't going to play otherwise. They had drafted more speed on both sides um, of the ball. It was the second year for Dable uh, after a first year where they made the playoffs. They won a road playoff game, and it all fell apart in the first game when they got Julienne on national television at MetLife by the Cowboys. And they never recovered. They're bad. And there may be more to Dable not being able to handle this. And I'm still a huge fan of the guy. But he's got to be accountable for how far they've fallen this year off what they did last year. And I'm wondering if this year is more the true Brian Dable head coaching result than his first year was when the Giants made the playoffs as a wild card, went to Minnesota in not dominating fashion, but Clearly, everybody watched that watched that game and was like, yep, Giants are better than the Vikings. And they didn't build off that this year. And it just doesn't feel good with Dable and the Giants going forward and their situation at quarterback and Barkley's not under contract. And you know, what are you doing here? What's really going on? Um it's why I've even talked here on the Todd Wright podcast about if Buffalo moved on from McDermott, would they bring Dable back to fix the offense and work with Josh Allen? And, you know, a couple of good Josh Allen games later, maybe maybe Joe Brady is the answer and they don't need Dable to come back. Maybe there's some things in the way Dable runs the show that just don't work over time. I hope I'm wrong on Dable, but... This season was was eye-opening with how bad it was for the New York Giants. So there's 10 for me, 10 things I got blatantly wrong about the NFL this year. And I mean, there's more. Look, there are things I got right, but there's 10 I really got wrong. And you can hold me accountable for it, and I'll try to do better in the new year. You can email me yours. Make me feel better. Tell me something you got wrong about this season involving a team, a coach, a player, or just something out there where you were convinced it was this way and this year showed you it was the opposite way. Right.todd at yahoo.com. Right.todd at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Todd Wright Toddcast presented by Pin Chasers and Brandon Legal Group. We will talk to you in the new year.